Welcome to the Talking Michigan Transportation Podcast. I'm Jeff Cranson. Once again, welcome to this week's edition of Talking Michigan Transportation. I am pleased to have with me today, Carrie Martin, who is a planner in MDOT's university region and is the MDOT project manager on a legislatively requested, required, I guess, tolling study. And Eric Morris, who is the office leader for HNTB in Michigan. HNTB is a, a national, even international transportation consultant, uh, does a lot of work with MDOT and other Michigan road agencies. So they're both intricately involved in this tolling study, and I've asked them on to talk about it, where it stands, and just real high level, what it would mean to bring tolling to Michigan after all these years. So thank you both for being here. Thanks for thank having you. me. So let's start, Carrie, with you. Um, what's MDOT's role in this, and you know, what are we being asked to do? So in July of um, 2020, um, Public Act 140 of 2020 required MDOT to hire a consulting firm to study uh, tolling and what the impacts of tolling might be on Michigan's roads um, from both a economic impact um, as well as um, just physical impact of the roadway as well. Um, looking at the different federal tolling programs that are available um, through the uh, USDOT. And Eric, you've worked with the legislature and your, you know, your your contacts there on this, and there are questions about the legislation. Um, what's what's HNTB's role in this, and how does it fit into things going on elsewhere in the country? Sure. So uh, once the law was passed, MDOT went through a competitive process where they um, they solicited a request for information from industry to learn more about what was happening uh, nationally in the tolling space. Uh, in Michigan, right, we have toll bridges. We have several toll bridges, but we don't have any toll roads. So the department reached out uh, nationally and got Oh, I think it was like 11 responses, 10 or 11 responses to their RFI. And they use that to develop a procurement document, a request for proposals for consultants to uh, deliver this study. And so HNTB was one of the firms that responded uh, and were selected through a, uh, a qualifications-based uh, competitive process. So our role is to uh, conduct and, and deliver that study for MDOT. And I, I should mention that um, the reason I'm talking about this right now is because um, there was some news last week. Chad Live and Good and Cranes reported on the fact that this uh, study may be extended um, for a number of different reasons. Uh, do you want to talk about that, Carrie, what the reasons were for extending it? Yeah, sure. So um, originally the, the um, legislation called for delivery of the, the feasibility and implementation plan um, at the end of July of, of this year. Um, with the pandemic and, and the changes to traffic, um, you know, over the time since the legislation was enacted, um, we thought it best and, and also the uh, legislature um, also thought at best to regroup a little bit, make sure we're looking at the right traffic. 
um, because traffic actually equals revenue um, for tolling. Um, and so we just wanted to take some extra time to make sure that we were providing the correct data and the right information for the legislature um, to make their 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 decision. So and we really didn't know, you know, when when the train started on this uh, in 2020, that suddenly we were going to be in a pandemic that was initially going to take traffic off the road by as much as 60 percent. Um, that's largely bounced back, but not entirely. And it's different, different patterns and different parts of the state. So um, I, th I think it, it definitely makes sense to try to look at what would be considered a more ordinary time, um, whatever post pandemic ordinary means. Yeah, what Jeff, what, what the additional time will allow us to do is is um, to complete our work on the study. We're using uh, 2019 traffic data and projecting it through the pandemic and, and out the other end of the pandemic for our traffic and revenue purposes. And what the extra time will allow us to do is to compare our assumptions in the study against what's actually happening to uh, to confirm that we're you know we're within a reasonable tolerance we're not way off and if 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 we are off it'll give us time to adjust. So I talked to to Baruch Feigenbaum who is a specialist with the Reason Foundation. Um, the Reason Foundation is a kind of free market uh, advocacy group that is very interested. Has done a lot of research, a lot of advocacy for tolling because they are firm believers that roads should be paid with user fees, which is largely uh, what we did in this country for many, many years, including the building of the interstates. Um, listen to what he said when I had him on shortly after the legislation passed, and this is just kind of to frame the conversation further. How can we kind of revive that user pay mindset that, that built our interstate system? I mean, that, that was kind of understood, you know, that at a time when the gas tax was sustainable and wasn't diminishing returns like it is now, that that's how you pay for roads. Right, and uh, that's a great question. And it's been a hundred years now since Oregon, which was the first state to implement the gas tax, actually implemented a gas tax for transportation purposes. So the gas tax has served us very well. It's just as we're having more electric vehicles, as we're having more hybrids, as there's a real difference between the fuel efficiency of certain types of vehicles like pickup trucks and other types of vehicles like subcompacts, the gas tax has become increasingly unreliable, but increasingly unfair mechanism. So, you know, I guess I'm, I'm wondering from your kind of more national perspective, Eric, and talking to your colleagues around the country, um, does does what he said kind of fit with what you're seeing and hearing? Absolutely. Um, you know, the, the, the gas tax for many years was a great approximation or a, a, a great approximate mechanism to assess uh, use of our roadways. And so we collected user fees through the gas tax uh, for a number of years and, and it was a good model while it lasted. As we shift as as we shift towards electric vehicles and hybrid vehicles, as the fuel economy between um, vehicles becomes wider and wider, it is increasingly not a good use of uh, or, or not a good not a good metric for for collecting those user fees. The fact of the matter is, Jeff, we pay for our transportation system through trips to the gasoline pump. And as a country, we are actively discouraging people from making trips to the gasoline pump. And so we have got to figure out a different system. And there are a number of options for doing so 
of which tolling is a form of road user charges. And, and I think that's why the Michigan legislature uh, wanted somebody to evaluate it because it is one of the options out there. Um, and, and they wanted some data to be able to decide whether that is a good option for Michigan. So Carrie, before you took on this, added this to your many duties already, had you studied, looked into tolling much? Did you have much interest in it? I mean, what have you, what have you learned along the way? What's, what's surprised you or, and reinforced maybe some of the things you already believed? Well, there, there have been a couple of different planning uh, level type studies of tolling, um, both from a programmatic standpoint and a project level standpoint, um, probably within the last like 15 years um, at MDOT. I think the, the thing that um, I have learned the most is, you know, you're not, we're not going to, the, the nation doesn't rely anymore on toll booths. They rely on all electronic tolling. Um, so it makes it easier to um, implement something like a toll system um, than it had in the past. Um, and so that's one of the things that I had learned. Also that um, there are various toll um, programs, both mainstream and pilot programs at the federal level that allow tolling, um, that allow states to toll um, their roads, either from, you know, brand new reconstruction, um, adding capacity to a roadway, um, and um, or, um, improvements to bridges. So there's different um, tolling programs at the federal level that um, allow states to toll. And that's, you know, that's, I think, what makes tolling a potential option. Um, MDOT is not advocating for tolling, but um, with the declining of the of the gas tax um, over time, we we do need some sort of sustainable um, funding source. Yeah, I think that uh, it's it's fair to say that that mostly what we're advocating for is a sustainable funding source and something that gives uh, gives the department and industry some sense of certainty and stability over a period of years for investment. So. Talk about the different things uh, that are all related to this and the terms that people hear, hot lanes, HOV lanes, managed lanes. Why don't you first talk about that, Eric, from what you know, again, from you know what other states are doing, and then I'll ask Carrie to talk about um, you know, where that's being explored in Michigan. Sure, sure. Well, so when we talk about um, HOV lanes or hot lanes or even flex lanes like we have on on US 23, they're, they're all different varieties of uh, managed lanes or, or managed infrastructure. So um, HOV stands for high occupancy vehicle. Uh, and, and typically this is where an owning agency would set aside a lane or lanes specifically for high occupancy vehicles. And those can be defined as having uh, at least two people in them um, in some really congested areas like the DC area. Sometimes they define them as having at least three people in them. And so it's a way to encourage our carpooling or, or reduce the demand, the vehicular demand on an asset. A hot lane or high occupancy toll lane is a way for owners to toll excess capacity in those lanes. So if you had an HOV lane that wasn't completely full and had some extra capacity, you could allow a single occupant, somebody driving in their car by themselves to also drive in that lane if they were to pay a toll. And so that is 
that is a hot lane is a form of a price managed lane. And then there's all sorts of directions you can go from there. You can, um, you can make those lanes priced consistently, meaning it's the same toll to drive in that lane no matter which time of day. Or you can um, make them congestion priced or, or dynamically priced, which means that the more congested the roadway is, the higher it would, uh, the toll would be to drive in that special lane. Yeah, let's talk about some states that do that successfully. Yeah, there are uh, some. Some of the more successful lanes are in the are in the D.C. area. There are also price managed lanes uh, in Minneapolis, Minnesota, on on uh, 35W, I think it is. And and really, the the benefit that a user gets out of it is predictability and travel time. That's typically what you're paying for. The general purpose lanes might be stop and go traffic, right? And if you don't have to be anywhere by a certain time, it might not be worth it for you to pay um, to ride in the in the price managed lane. But if you've got an appointment in 15 minutes and that lane will get you there in 13 minutes, right? It might be worth a dollar or two to pay for that. The key there, though, uh, with all of these types of lanes, all of these types of managed lanes or price managed lanes, is they generally do not create excess revenue. They basically pay to operate themselves, but they generally do not pay for the capital costs to actually build the lanes. And so we are, we are as part of this tolling study, we're evaluating price managed lanes, but the other scenario that we're looking at is the toll all lane scenario, and that would generate revenue to actually rebuild our roads and rebuild our bridges, the, the capital costs that go into those. So in the, at least in the short term, or maybe the transition time, you know, MDOT is looking at perhaps some kind of managed lanes. Um, could you talk about that a little bit, Carrie? Yeah, and so that was something that, um, you know, knowing that the legislature had passed legislation um, for a full toll um, option to generate revenue, um, the department was really interested in finding out more about the price managed lanes options for congestion management and improving um, operations along our along our freeways. Really, it's it's like a tool. I think, as Eric mentioned, in the toolbox to improve operations for for vehicles. But I think it also it gives MDOT the option of of maybe working with a community that really wants to enhance. Um, transit, um, ride sharing. Um, we are looking at uh, several corridors um, in the study um, that do have congestion issues um, and safety issues, and we really feel that a price managed lane option um, is definitely something that's worthwhile to look into. Please stay tuned. We'll be back with more Talking Michigan Transportation right after this. No, before you go. Head on over to MyDrive to check out the latest on road construction and possible delays along your route. For a detailed map, head over to michigan.gov drive. So you were, Eric mentioned the US 23, what we call the flex route um, between Ann Arbor and Brighton, basically. Correct. And you were very involved in that, obviously, as a project planner in the university region. Um, talk about how your thoughts evolved on that, I guess, from the time it was first conceived and proposed until it was opened and operating and, and you know, doing really well 
uh, better yet when it can be extended all the way to 96, obviously. But could you talk about that? Sure, yeah. So we were really interested um, when we first started looking at the flex route in um, the limited right away that we had, the limited resources as far as funding goes. And so a hard shoulder running option, which is really what that is, it's, um, it's the use of uh, peak hour shoulder um, to improve reliability and travel time along US 23. We felt that that was a, a great option with, with some of those limitations that we had at the time. Um, and as you mentioned, we are um, ex extending it um, up to 96, and that will be under construction within the next couple of years. Um, and we've also um, looked at that um, flex route option along 96 um, in Oakland County as well. So there's definitely um, a, a good use for that hard shoulder running concept um, that is um, the flex route. But yeah, it, I think we're also really excited to find out what other types of managed lane opportunities there are, um, both priced and just um, unpriced managed lanes as well. Yeah, well, I always hear very good things about the 23 flex route, that's for sure. Eric, what do you say to people, and, and I know other states have dealt with this too, but there's always a concern that this is not going to be equitable, you know, from a socioeconomic standpoint. What kinds of things can you do to make sure that uh, this isn't just something that you know only the affluent can afford? That, and, and that's a it's a great question, Jeff, and something that our study is is keenly aware of. There are a lot of good uh, examples from around the country of programs that have been implemented and how they've evolved over the years. You know, back in the early two thousands, um, some express lanes down on I ninety five in in Miami, and uh, you know they they had subsidized transit service that was provided, and then kind of about 10 years later, it evolved into a um, an equity discount program that was being involved in or um, offered in Hampton Roads, Virginia, uh, to where uh, you could be, if, if, if you made less than a certain amount of income, you might qualify for uh, free tolls or discounted tolls. Um, an analogous program in Michigan could be, you know, if, if you qualify for the bridge card, then you could qualify for some toll relief. Uh, and then just in recently uh, in the in the Bay Area out in California with some express lanes, they had a really robust stakeholder engagement and worked with community organizations to design programs that really uh, tailored the benefits to what the community needed. And it was sort of a choice between toll relief or transit subsidization. And there are even discussions in other areas about um, using some of the, the toll revenues to invest in the community. And, and help the communities in which these roads are, are going through. The broader we can look at transportation and the transportation system, the more creative and impactful that we can get with those types of programs. But it starts with really robust community engagement, understanding what, what the impacts to the community uh, potentially would be and what their desires are for their community. And then we're seeing a lot of creativity in the industry of designing those programs uh, and tailoring those programs to exactly what those communities need. Yeah, that's really well said. So, Carrie, what do you hear? And it's not scientific, obviously, but when you tell people, friends and family uh, that you're working on this, what what kinds of things do you hear anecdotally? Um, I, you know, I think there are there are several people that it's it's just 
they go on vacations down south or they go out of state and they they know the toll roads they have um the passes in their cars um and so it, they feel like it's a no-brainer um there are people who are concerned about you know us being a tourist state that that might have an effect um toll toll roads might have an effect on the tourism in the state um, but we've had a lot of meetings and different stakeholder engagement to kind of just, you know, talk through some of these issues and and we're getting really, really good feedback about about the option of of a told um, revenue source here in Michigan. So I do get I do get pretty good feedback from people. So I'm, I'm a little skeptical that somebody makes a decision to go to Chicago or Cedar Point based on the fact that they have to pay tolls. And that's, yeah, that's, I agree with that. Well, thank you both. This was good. Um, I think this is conversation we're going to continue. And uh, between now and the end of the year, we're going to try to keep up to speed on the developments. But I appreciate you both taking time to do this. Yeah, thank you very much. Thank you again for listening to this week's edition of the Talking Michigan Transportation Podcast. I would like to thank Randy Dubler and Corey Petey for engineering this week's podcast. To subscribe to show notes and more, go to Apple Podcasts and search for Talking Michigan Transportation.